Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is intended solely for the purpose of personal growth and not as a replacement for professional psychological support. The views and opinions of the hosts and guests of this show are not meant to be taken as medical advice. It is very important to seek the help of a qualified medical practitioner when making any shifts to psychiatric medication you may be taking or if you are experiencing extreme psychological distress. Great Mountain, a podcast where we share effective tips and practices for working with adults ADD, ADHD in a natural, effective way without the use of medications. Each episode, join me, your host, Batman Saram, along with the author of The Drummer and the Great Mountain, Michael Joseph Ferguson. Join Michael and myself in an interactive discussion of sharing our stories as we journey together in transforming what can be the gift of being what we call hunter types. This podcast is intended to be your audio companion to the book written by Michael, who joins me each episode where we both will strive to foster dialogue, give you our personal insights, and share both of our experiences on this similar path that we are all on. Our intention and hope is that along with the book, this podcast gives you an additional perspective as you listen to us delve deeper into each chapter of the book to give you even more tools to go along with what it is that you are reading. Visit us at drummerandthegreatmountain.com to purchase the book and look for more tools, tips, and updates, as well as giving us feedback on this podcast. Join our growing global community of creative types, entrepreneurs, and out-of-the-box thinkers on our shared journey. Welcome to the Drummer and the Great Mountain podcast. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Michael Joseph Ferguson. How you doing? Hope your summer is going well for those of you in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be continuing on with the topic of anxiety. This is such a primary topic for hunter types that, uh, the, and some points came up even uh, during my vacation this summer that I wanted to cover that I felt like were pertinent to uh, last all some of the things we covered on the last podcast. So uh, tune, uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, before jumping in, got a couple announcements. Uh, first off, um, I am expanding my life coaching times. Uh, opening up some more slots because we've been getting lots of uh, requests for coaching and I've been turning a lot of people away. So I uh, was finally able to juggle some things around and open up a couple more slots in uh, in my life coaching schedule. So if you are interested in getting some support on some of the topics we cover in the book and specifically on creating a time in your schedule weekly, bi-weekly, even monthly that gives you uh, time to zoom out is what I like to think about as so your life happens and you're just so inside of it that uh, most of the time even most people hunter types are not are usually reacting and so being able to look at your goals and uh, specifically work on some of the issues that seem to be coming up over and over again 
that if you, that's something that would interest you, then you may want to, and you like what we cover on the podcast, you may be interested in uh, doing a session or two with me and seeing if that's something you want to continue on doing. So uh, if you're interested, you can go to alivelifecoaching.com. Again, that's alivelifecoaching.com, and you'll see some of the specifics on that. How do I work and uh, what to expect, rates and all that stuff. So, um, and if you want to go, if you're like, well, I don't know, uh, if you have the book, look at the creating um, a support system. Uh, I think it's a chapter 12 that goes very specifically into the the process that I use that has not changed very much in the last 10 years. So I uh, just find it works really, really well. So definitely, uh, and also the podcast on that. So if you go to, and this is sort of a general tip, especially for those that are just tuning into the podcast. If there's a, a topic that you want to see if we covered or not, if you go to dormerinthegreatmountain.com, click on the podcast button at the top, and then on the upper left side, there'll be a search box. And you can type in the topic there and you'll be able to see uh, if we've covered it or not. So if you type in life coaching, you'll see the life coaching podcast show up. And also sometimes I'll put keywords in on other topics that where we, if I've covered something on that podcast, I'll put that keyword in so that it'll show up in the list. So take a look at that. And if you're interested in doing some coaching, uh, reach out. I've got a few, it's only got a, I've only got a few slots. So I want to, uh, be clear about that. So I, um, reach out and if we did fill out uh, i apologize and what we'll do is we'll put you on a wait list and as soon as something comes available we'll reach out to you so once again that's alivelifecoaching.com and uh, let's see we've got a couple wonderful interviews scheduled uh coming up here on the next couple podcasts so stay tuned for that uh, a couple of really good ones one on mindfulness with a really good friend of mine uh, who just released an audiobook so really looking forward to that i will announce some of the specifics soon uh, also, on the next podcast, I will be announcing the uh, dates for the next online workshop as well as the next free webinar. So stay tuned for that. Okay, on today's show, we will be revisiting the topic of anxiety. So this is anxiety part two. And specifically, we're going to be discussing panic attacks, uh, how good planning can reduce anxiety, and some key supplements like GABA, which many of you may have heard of. Uh, there's definitely some studies on GABA as it relates to ADD, ADHD, so we're going to be covering that. Uh, but I want to start by relaying a, something that just happened to me, a story that just happened while I was on vacation. Um, and I think it, it deserve, we, I need to go, do a little backstory here. Uh, and this is not necessarily related to ADD, ADHD, but it's definitely related to the topic that we discussed last time on the amygdala hijack and panic attacks. And I know many of you have situations where you, there's a sensitivity and something comes up and it triggers it. So I want to relay mine. Uh, and I think the deeper message here is how do we deal with anxiety in a way that keeps us moving through the world and doesn't inhibit us or stop our growth because we're we're kind of closing off the world because we don't want to go through a traumatic experience so i want to that's sort of the backstory to this uh experience that i just went through so um here's what happened when i was in my 20s um, I went to a Pink Floyd concert at the Coliseum. I think it was in the mid-90s, mid to late 90s, something like that. I think it was like 96. 
96, 97, they had gotten back together and I'm like, oh, I gotta see Pink Floyd because it's Pink Floyd. I mean, come on. So uh, they were playing at the Coliseum in LA. And um, for those who don't know the Coliseum, uh, I mean, you can imagine it's designed after the, the giant Roman Coliseum. So it's got all these corridors that go into uh, this giant stadium. So what happened was I went out right before the concert and got some food or did whatever, came back and I was just getting, I was probably like quarter of the way through the hallway and the music started and people behind me and everyone in front of me all rushed in and a lot of us got stuck in the middle and there's no ventilation in these corridors, at least two. I mean, I remember looking around going, is there air flowing through here? So people were passing out and panicking and like women were screaming. It was really crazy. It was like, Oh wow, I've heard about this, but now I'm in the middle of it. Um, and I was starting to get lightheaded and I feel like I, you know, like you could feel that there was less air cause it was really warm day. And, uh, it was, it was very traumatic and I was in it for quite a while. And finally I got us, I finally ducked out and was able to go back out of the Coliseum and into the uh, parking lot again. But it was an extremely traumatic experience. It sounds like, Oh, you're at a concert, but it really affected me, uh, to the point where I was actually paranoid to go back in again. It really affected me. And I, and I saw a lot of other people out who were out in the parking lot had the same exact experience. So it was a warm summer day, kind of late afternoon. Uh, it had to re it specifically related to being around a lot of people in a closed space where I couldn't get out. Like there was no, I was stuck. Uh, so that was the experience. And so from that point on, um, I've had times where I just got really claustrophobic, which I didn't have before that. Um, so occasionally it'll come up when I see like um, recently I was going to the Getty Museum in L.A. and they have this tram that goes back and forth from the parking lot to the museum. And uh, it was just totally packed, like wall to wall people. And I'm like, I, I know I can't get on that. I know that that's going to trigger this experience. So like in that situation, I just walked back and actually it was a much more pleasant experience. But for the most part, like I've flown on planes a lot and it, it hasn't come up that often. But if I'm low um, or if something specific triggers it, then it's on. And I'm in like total panic, amygdala hijack, as we talked about last time, mode. It's just, it's completely overwhelming. My whole body just goes, we are, this, I'm in total danger right now. This is life or death, fight or flight. That's exactly the experience. So zoom ahead. Many times, again, I've traveled lots, flown a lot. Uh, just got back from a trip to Hawaii and, um, Got on the plane in San Diego, fine, no problem, got on, had a good flight, got to uh, Honolulu, we were flying to Kauai with uh, my uh, fiance's family, we all went together, and um, got on to the smaller flight, it was a very hot, humid day, very smaller plane, much tighter, and it was actually, in hindsight, it was almost the same radius as probably that corridor on the... Uh, uh, in the Coliseum. And I got in, sat down, and I was actually fairly close to the front, which I think was a good thing. And 
it started, I could feel it starting to come in. I, it just kind of elevates and elevates. And it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, it's coming, it's coming. And then the air went off. They actually turned the air off. The, they had already closed the door. And I panicked. I was like, I, got, I literally got, got up. I un, undid my seatbelt and I went to the stewardess. And I said, I don't think I can stay on the plane. I'm getting super claustrophobic right now. And she said, it's okay. Like, I'm sure they're used to having people have experiences like this. I said, here's some water. Uh, they turn the air off just for a second, just to test things, and the air will come back on again. So I was like, okay. Went back to my seat, buckled up, and air came back on. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm all right. <laughs> and I was able to muscle through the flight. And I got to uh, Kauai. I was definitely wiped. I mean, if you go through, I know some of you have, because uh, I've coached some of you, some of you have panic attacks for whatever reason or another, and it burns you out. You're just you're just exhausted from the experience. So I remember just landing in quiet. Just, it was, I just felt miserable. It's like one of my favorite places on earth. And I was just, I really felt just wiped out. But more importantly, what happened was it turned that switch back on again. And so I could feel the anxiety of getting back on the plane to fly back. So it, it was just one of those things where I actually thought, okay, I'm going to just you know, as per my work and in terms of, you know, sharing this information with you, I'm going to do my best to like put together, use all these techniques that I've, I use on under medium stress levels. Um, and a lot of the stuff I talked about last week with the amygdala hijack and talking yourself through naming the feelings and the emotions. So, I mean, while I was there, I was fine. Uh, but in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, that flight's coming up. And specifically, this is, it's not even in relation to being in a confined space. For me, it's about being around a lot of people in a confined space and feeling that there's not enough air or I can't get out. So that's, that's the trigger. Um, so flew back to Honolulu. That was okay. That was stressful, but it wasn't terrible. I was able to kind of, you know, make sure I got some air and, and was able to get on. And then, but then, so we stayed on Oahu for a few days and then we were flying back. And for some reason, just that there was a lot of anxiety about that flight back. So, and I kind of could just feel it. And so I was just kind of working with it. And it's again, once that switch turns on for me, from my experience, and I know for a lot of you that go through this, it doesn't just shut off right away. You need to kind of work through it a bit. So um, got on the plane and we were seated at the back of the plane, which, you know, something, and I'll talk about planning in a second, because that, that was a, a mistake on my end of things. I should have been a little more mindful about planning. Got on the plane and throughout the whole flight, it was just like, oh. It was high level anxiety and it wasn't the experience itself. It was thinking about getting off the plane and getting out. And so before getting on the plane, I'm like, okay, I'm going to let everyone go in first and then I'm going to go in. So I was one of the last people on the plane and that was helpful. So that worked. But then um, towards the end of the flight, as I was sitting in the back of the plane, looking at that long corridor and all these people are going to get up and I'm going to be just, I, it just triggered that thing of I can't get out. I'm stuck on this plane. And it finally got to the point where towards the end of the flight, I'm like, I can't. This is, this, is, this is at a high level. And I'm concerned about getting to that place where I'm like, ah, oh, and I push people or what, like, because when you're in that fight or flight mode, 
you, it's, it's intense. So I thought, okay, the best thing to do, I called the stewardess and I said, can I, is there a way of getting a seat close to the exit? Just so that when we get off the plane, I'm just feeling really claustrophobic. Can you handle that? And they were like, well, okay. And they, they came to home about it. I actually had to be persistent about it, but they did do it. And as soon as I moved to a seat closer to the door, I was fine. It was calm, flight landed. I was definitely a little nervous just at that point where everyone's sort of getting ready to get up. But then I was fine. I got out, caught my breath. I was with some people that were um, that obviously don't have this, and they were really kind enough to grab one or two things that I'd, I had at my other seat. And, um, but in hindsight, it was a good thing because it found out that it was a really uh, there was a people sitting in the back of the plane there was a lot of like pushing and like shoving and it was it was actually really intense for some of the people that I was flying with so in hindsight that was a good move so here's my reflections from it because I knew I had to do a podcast on this as a reflection afterwards so a few things one is even though I, I used a lot of the techniques uh, that we talked about, which are very effective at the medium stress level situations, um, <clears throat> being in traffic, uh, just experiencing work stress and all. Some of the things that we discussed on the last podcast work really well under medium stress conditions. And they do they work somewhat well under this situation, but this was at such a high level of amygdala hijack that uh, what was more important in hindsight, was planning. So uh, what I could have done was being more, been more mindful of one, this could have come up, uh, which I got, you know, was one of those things where you don't know until afterwards. But now I know moving forward, I need to take responsibility for this. I need to go, okay, I need to be closer to the front of the plane, uh, do a little more research, have some mindfulness around the situation versus just trusting everything will be okay because I know that this is a trigger. So that's one thing. Another thing is, and I've thought about this uh, after the experience, I may, I'm going to consider doing maybe EMDR or something, some therapy like that, which if, if people aren't familiar with it, just I'm not going to go too much into it, but EMDR is a technique that helps reduce traumatic triggers. So it's definitely something that uh, I've talked to people that have had positive experiences with. So that's a possibility. But I think overall, in hindsight, I mean, it was it was very specific, the triggers. It was confined space with a lot of people, not having easy access to an exit. Um, heat was actually a determining factor, as I found out, because I've flown before and it's been fine. So it was the heat and humidity that triggered it. And then turning the air off right before flight, that just kicked it over the edge. Um, but I'm not going to let this stop me from flying again. I'm just going to make use of that information for planning purposes moving forward. So that was my experience. I wanted to share that with you partially because I think in a lot of ways when I talk on the podcast, a lot of times if I'm talking with Bauman, Bauman, he, um, he'll share more of his personal experiences and I don't share as many of mine. So I wanted to just Annie up my experience on that one because that was you know it was a little embarrassing but it was mostly um as I was going through it I'm like oh, okay we just talked about this on the podcast and now I'm going through it and so I want to just relay that information to you and I'm also open for any feedback that that you have had um anyone in the audience has had in terms of these experiences um 
And again, this is not necessarily ADD, ADHD related, but uh, the underlying experience and commonality of uh, anxiety is definitely something that most of us deal with, you know, again, based on not only studies, but just based on talking to a lot of you and coaching you. There's anxiety is definitely a part of it. Some of you take um, anxiety medication, some of you don't. Um, but I want to go into some specifics in terms of support, nutritional support and natural supplements, expanding upon what we talked about last week. So before going into uh, supplementation and, and expanding that piece, I want to talk about this, um, this experience of having like a little kid inside you that sometimes gets triggered when we're anxious or we're going through anxiety. Because that was, as I was really watching my own experience going through this, it was like I was like seven again. I was like a little kid. I could feel like that, like my adult was gone <laughs> and I was like this scared little kid. That was the experience of it. And um, I think one of the key pieces to this, and you've heard me talk about this before on, on previous podcasts, um, Part of our dealing with our anxiety and our sensitivities, one of the best strategies is, um, as best we can, planning ahead to support those. Like, there's, there's, there's two ways to go about it. Either you muscle through and you just tell yourself, "I'm just, I'm not sensitive. I'm just going to push through this," um, and that, from my experience, doesn't work. That may work in certain situations, but over time, this uh, deeper emotional part of us usually will take the controls. So one of the great revelations that I had in my early 30s was the better plan to move through to be a more effective human being is to actually make plans towards nurturing your emotional self to the point where it doesn't escalate to the point where it takes the controls. So in this situation, that was a very extreme form, but in subtle ways that happens to us every day. So, um, the first piece, and again, this it just, we always keep coming back to this, but it's so important. If you are in a, you have like brain fuzz and you're not clear and you're experiencing that classic ADD, just I can't think straight or I'm overwhelmed. I mean, even overwhelm is sort of that little kid kind of taking the controls in a sense. So first order of business, as we always say, is exercise three times a week, uh, cardio three times a week, 30 minutes per session, good diet and life coaching all contribute greatly to your ability to have a good planning brain. So highly recommended all the things that we've previously talked about. It absolutely affects your ability to make plans so that you're not always in that state of reaction. Um, so that I'd say that's the first and specifically life coaching highly recommend because sometimes we're in um, situations or experiences and patterns that repeat over and over again. And then once you reflect that to another person, even counseling can be helpful for this. You can see it and start making plans towards it. But so many of us don't have that kind of support. And so we're just constantly replaying the same tape over and over and over again. So you need to be able to break those patterns, look at what are some strategies that you can 
create for yourself and for you know and sometimes with anxiety it's getting enough sleep as we talked about last time if you're not getting enough sleep your brain's not able to reboot itself and create those brain chemicals to give you a sense of peace and calm and clarity so you know just that alone that kind of thing in your schedule exercise rest turning off the computer turning off your phone turning off your ipad um, getting enough rest, that's so essential in just giving you that extra boost so that you can be clear and make good decisions. Um, and again, so much of good planning is instead of avoidance. Because what we don't want to get into is the habit of avoiding situations completely and limiting our life because we can't cope with this or that. And so, um, when there's no mindfulness to it, it's really easy. And, you know, we know a lot of people and I'm sure some people may be listening and this may be you where your life is continue to contract and contract and contract to to the point where you're not interacting in a way that you're getting your needs met needs for connection, needs for, um, inspiration, um, friendships, whatever those that if, if your life has contracted because of your anxieties, it is essential to start looking at them straight on and saying, how do I expand my life and make plans so that these anxieties don't control my life? Um, and so that is on the, I think on the emotional support end, I want to just re revisit that piece because I so know so many of us, um, for me specifically, I didn't have like a language for it. I'd say in my 20s and and early 30s, I didn't understand why my emotional self would take over the controls and I wouldn't be able to to accomplish the things that I wanted to accomplish. Or I would get, you know, there was just a sense of there's some part of me that I don't have control over. And it really helped me to think about like, okay, I've kind of got this little kid inside me. If I if I listen to it and have self-acceptance and care for it and plan ahead and listen to it. And again, this is where journaling can be helpful. Just letting that part of you speak. And it will, it will, if you sit and you just kind of flow with your journal and you don't edit, you'll get real pretty, it's right, usually right on the surface. You don't have to go too far into it. If you just allow, and you know, it might be behind a lot of anger and frustration, but then underneath that are the unmet needs. And so, I, again, if you're interested in that topic, go back and listen to some of the um, Navigating Emotions um, podcasts and specifically the one that is uh, on journaling. You should be able to just type in journaling on the website. If you go to the podcast page, you'll see that pop up. And it's in the book, in Navigating Emotions. So um, having that ability to, to dialogue with yourself, especially when you're in a calm, stable, safe place, um, you can then make plans from that place. You can hear some of the unmet needs and you can see how you can maybe make plans in the future. So for me specifically, I mean, as a very gross and big analogy, big example of this, uh, I need to be more mindful of where I sit in the plane. I mean, that's part of it because part of the anxiety was not the experience itself. It was thinking ahead to something that the rest of me had not anticipated, which was where was I sitting on the plane? That was creating a lot of anxiety, which could have been circumvented had I made the plan to just sit, you know, maybe aisle seat closer to the front of the plane. Simple. So that's the kind of example. And, you know, for you, there may be 10 different things in your life that create certain certain types of anxiety or ways that you can, um, 
look at your life and go, okay, I want to make certain plans so that I'm supporting myself to be calm, stable, uh, emotionally balanced. And, and I can add these things into my schedule to support those. And again, I would encourage you to go back to the Navigating Emotions podcast and the Navigating Emotions chapter in the book to go to, to see some of the specifics on this topic. The next topic I want to cover is go, going further into the natural supplements support for anxiety. And the big one I wanted to discuss today is GABA, which is gamma aminobutric acid. So um, this is an amino acid, GABA. That's what, if you went to the health food store and you look for it, it's GABA. Uh, amino acid, it's an amino acid that acts as a neurotransmitter like dopamine. And what it does is it it is connected to calming your nerves down. It's, it's connected to your nervous system. And there's been recent studies that have shown that there's a link between ADD, ADHD, and low GABA levels. Uh, and as you know, as we talk on the podcast, um, I don't see ADD, ADHD specifically as a disorder. I think of it as a neurological type. So, but, so I want to talk about the ADD, ADHD symptoms. So what are the challenges with our particular neurological type? And so low GABA can definitely contribute to having higher levels of anxiety. So when your GABA levels are balanced, you feel you're more able to cope with stress and your anxiety levels are much lower because your, your, your brain chemistry is adapting to the situation and accurately assessing what's going on. It's not hyper stimulated specifically in the amygdala area of the, the fight or flight area of our brain. So if you've had a poor diet for a prolonged period of time, or you've been under a lot of stress for a long period of time, your GABA levels may be low. And people have reported it, big changes in their emotional well-being just by starting to take GABA. So, um, which you may. So, this is one of those ones where you want to explore it now. With all of the supplements I'm going to mention today, here's the big disclaimer: research them yourself. Look for the side effects of that particular substance and also look at if there's any contraindications based on things that you're already taking. All of these can have contraindications. So please talk to your doctor, do your research before you take anything. Um, I would say probably GABA is probably the least, uh, I would say it's the, it's probably the most safe of everything that I'm talking about because it is in, uh, it's an amino acid, meaning it's in the proteins that we eat on a daily basis. But depending on what your diet is, you may not be getting enough of it. And so supplementing with it can help in, in seeing if it's going to normalize your overall anxiety levels. So the, I was looking at the recommended dosage, and, um, and this is something that I haven't taken in a while. So I'm actually, uh, after that experience, because it was such a high-stress experience, I'm going to actually experiment with this. And I may do a revisit of it in a few weeks to see if there was any noticeable shift. I try to keep a really good diet, so I have a feeling my GABA levels are pretty good. But I will, um, I'm going to actually pick some up and start taking it and see if I notice any um, any changes in my uh, overall well-being, especially as it relates to anxiety. But I know of a number of people that have had really extreme, wonderful experiences with GABA. So it's definitely worth checking out. So the recommended dosage 
uh, seems to be around 500 milligrams two to three times a day. So, um, and I would say look for a higher quality brand, go to a good health food store, talk to the person uh, working in the vitamin department, make sure you get something that's of decent quality. Also see if you can get something that's got B6 in it, which also is something that supports your brain in creating GABA. And, you know, you know, one of these things where after you've checked the contraindications and you've checked the side effects and you're good, test it out, take a little bit at a time, ease into it and see if you notice any difference on it. And again, this is not a replacement for having a good diet, having good minerals and supplements on a day-to-day basis. But if you find yourself in a, like a constant state of anxiety and you find that, okay, I really need to, to lower this because it's, I, I'm, I'm not calming down at all. It's definitely one of those supplements that it's worth checking out. So, um, that's GABA. Um, I want to talk about a couple other ones relating to anxiety. And these are these would be in the category of short term. And each of these do have contraindications, specifically if you're taking SSRIs or you're taking uh, anti-anxiety medication or there's like birth control and other th- and, and pregnant women. You all the, all these have contraindications. So you need to look these up before you take them. Uh, first, so the first one is kava kava. That is, I believe it's a Polynesian herb. Um, and there's been, it has, it's been quite a bit of time now, but there was a time in my life where I went through a lot of high level stress. There was a lot of things going on with the family and health issues that, um, I was really high level stressed to the point where I couldn't sleep. Um, and I found kava kava worked. So kava kava is an herb that is a, uh, it has a direct effect on your nervous system and it and it really it's a pretty strong sedative it, it you can feel like your nerve endings almost starting to become numb i mean it really it really takes you down to the point where it, it does calm that sort of nervous anxiety where you can feel the contraction in your body uh, for me i found that under then that was a short period of time of like maybe a month a month and a half um, it really did work to calm me down enough to where I could sleep because the anxiety level was really high. Uh, again, kava kava does have contraindications. Uh, specifically, if you take it for too long, it's not good for your liver. Um, so it's one of those short term. Uh, it's not like a daily thing, daily supplement that you can take all the time. So, but I will, I can uh, attest to that it is effective. It definitely does, from my experience, calm you down. But again, you know, do the research on that one. Second one, it's something we've talked about in terms of sleep, which is valerian root. And valerian root um, is is definitely a sedative. Uh, it's one, it, I believe, it's where um, they synthesized it, and that's where they got Valium from. So uh, again, shorter term, valerian root is it's calming. It'll definitely make you sleepy. So um, be mindful of that. It is. Uh, I'd say mostly it's it's promoted as a sleep aid, but um, for anxiety, it, it can be helpful. Now, I have not used it as an anxiety support, but uh, I want to put it out there because it is a very common herbal um, substance for reducing your anxiety. So I would say look it up. Again, longer term support, uh, longer taking it for more than a month, two months at a time, even a few weeks at a time is not recommended due to not good on your liver, not good, I think on your kidneys as well. So 
but maybe a good, both of those may be a good substitutes for um, other things that you may be taking. So again, just want to put those up, put that out there and you guys can do the research on it. Uh, the third one is 5-HTP. 5-HTP is similar to L-tryptophan. I believe I mentioned it in the, um, in the book. Um, once again, it is, it, you cannot take this if you're taking an SSRI. Um, but if you, if you have ser low serotonin related anxiety, it is something that it is basically it it has a similar effect to an SRI, which is a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, meaning that it will support the keeping your serotonin levels up, so that you if you're if the low serotonin is what's causing the anxiety or depression, which is usually when an SRI is prescribed, it's because of depression. Uh, 5-HTP has been known to support that. And I, I know that some people do take this as a replacement for uh, an SR, SSRI. Uh, again, do the research, check in on it. But I do know that that has been a support for some people. And it may be a support uh, so for anxiety as well. So that has been reported. But I, it would seem to me that it is specifically anxiety as it relates to low serotonin. So not really blood tests that you can take, at least to my knowledge at this time, for checking your serotonin and dopamine levels. So um, it's one of those things, definitely check with your doctor before taking any of those. But if you are looking for um, shorter term supplements that may support you in reducing your anxiety, those are, uh, I'd say the top ones to check out. Uh, the last one, you may want to look at St. John's wort. Once again, that has some contraindications, but for depression specifically, um, I've, I've, I've watched people have positive experiences with that, especially like taking it in a tea, uh, form can be, um, can be really effective. Uh, and I'm trying to think of the brand, um, I'll, I'll post it on, I'll post it on the podcast. If I see the, then there's one or two tea brands that are really good for, um, their St. John's wort tea. Uh, so I hope that was helpful to you. Um, please let us know if you've had any positive or negative experiences with any of those supplements. And also would love to hear your feedback on some of the points I just mentioned in terms of uh, do, do you experience panic attacks? What, have, what has been helpful to you? And also, where are you letting your anxiety keep your world small and how can you expand it and if there if that's a conversation you want to start i encourage you to go to our facebook page for drummer the great mountain.com uh if you just go to the website and click on the upper right hand corner you'll go right to the facebook page just click on the facebook icon post something there and would love to get a conversation going on that and as we always mention, we are a small press, so reviews are really, really helpful. If you are enjoying the podcast or enjoying the book, please spread the word and also uh, possibly write a review for us. Uh, if you go to Goodreads, iTunes, iBooks, Google Playbooks, uh, drop a review in there. That would be great. Let us let people know why the material has been helpful to you. Uh, that definitely, this whole podcast and all the books have just been completely through word of mouth marketing. We've done almost zero marketing other than just putting the podcast out. So please help spread the word. There's a lot of people that can benefit from this information. Uh, buy a book for a friend. Uh, send it to them. Please share your stories with us. We can get those out. We can get them on the podcast and uh, let the, let other people know the, what sh some of the wins that you've been having. And it also helps us 
uh, dial in the content for the podcast and upcoming workshops and everything else. So please uh, spread the word and share your experience. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to the first uh, 15 or 20 episodes where we cover the book chapter by chapter. And once again, you can go to just go to drummerinthegreatmountain.com, click on the podcast button, and you can also do a search in the upper left-hand corner, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, please reach out and let us know what topics you would like us to cover. You can email us at info at drummerandthegreatmountain.com. And uh, once again, the website is drummerandthegreatmountain.com. Join us on Facebook and Twitter in the upper right hand corner of the website. You can just go there, click, and uh, you can connect with the community that is already uh, established and is, um, we're pretty active on there. I think I noticed that you guys show up a lot more on, um, on workshops and uh, webinars. So looking forward to having some more uh, live interaction with you shortly. Uh, until next time, take care of yourselves and your health. Be well. Thank you.